This is God's word. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. Whoever does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this time. Thank you for the words from your scripture. And God, we come here today, each of us from a different place, each of us from a different experience with you, and each of us um, with different feelings that we have towards you and towards your church. And we ask now that you would um, speak to us each wherever we, we find ourselves, and that you would reveal your presence in our lives and your love for us, and help us to, to draw closer to you in this time um, as you invite us. Ask us in your name. Amen. So we're a society that seems to really like to have things easy. And we try to, we want to work less for a shorter amount of time and we want greater results. And any task that we, can't, that we can make simpler, we try to. And the most, even the most minuscule, simplest of tasks, there are people out there making millions of dollars making those tasks even simpler. Do you remember when, to make a phone call, you used to have to turn a dial for every single number in order to dial it? And apparently that used to be too much work, so they came out with this technology where all you had to do was push a button. No dialing, just a button. And that must have been wearing people out with all the depressions they had to make, because now they have these phones that just on the screen, there's a picture of all the numbers, and you just have to touch the screen. No, no heavy pressing required. Just, just touch the screen. But unfortunately, to use that technology, you still have to pick up the phone and open your eyes. So now we have these little devices that just hang on your ear. And if you want to call someone, you just have to say their name and say a com- Call Nick. Finally, after all these years of getting calloused fingers from all this extreme dialing, we have this new technology. Or have you heard the commercial for that new, it's like a popcorn bag bowl kind of thing? You put the bag of popcorn in the microwave, 
And when it comes out, it's no longer a bag of popcorn. It's a bowl that you can sit down and eat out of. Because, and I'm like, what is the re- like? The only reason I can think of is they must have done some study and found that people are eating less popcorn because they're deterred by the task of pouring all those kernels into a bowl. Because that would be so much work. And if you just say, well, I'm not going to do the bowl, I'm going to eat out of the bag, well, then you're forced to hold that heavy bag of popcorn up all by yourself to eat it. Are you kidding me? Like, people, companies are spending thousands and thousands of dollars to market an easier way to make, to eat popcorn. And it seems like this is just, this is built into us. It's built into our society to want to have things easier. And last week we talked about this law that was given to the Israelites, to the people of Israel. And immediately, a lot of times what people will think of when they hear the law is their mind will go right to the Ten Commandments. But in reality, there were 613 commands that fell under the heading of the law that people had to follow. So there were laws about commerce, about property, about uh, eating, cleanliness, sex, um, what to wear, laws that would say, you weren't supposed to wear an article of clothing if it had wool and linen mixed together. Laws that said that you weren't supposed to uh, crossbreed different species of cattle. And laws that said you shouldn't farm a field using two different species yoked together. 613 of these different rules and guidelines that you had to constantly be aware of in your everyday life. And so you can imagine how these people who who had been relying on this law, what they would have thought when they heard about this righteousness by faith. You mean I don't have to focus on sending up incense twice a day? I don't have to worry if that lizard that crossed my foot defiled me? I don't have to worry if the if I eat fruit of diverse seed grown in a vineyard? I'm not really sure what that one means, but those are all actual uh, elements of the law that uh, came into place. And so... Isn't it, it seems like such such a leap to go from these 613 guidelines and rules to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And it sure seems a lot it seems a lot easier, doesn't it? Jesus, his words even say, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. With 613 guidelines that you have to constantly think about with all your actions, you can see how that would pretty easily consume you. It would consume your thoughts. It would consume your whole life trying to make sure that you got those all right. And so do you see how how freeing and how life-giving it could be to be able to rely on these promises that Jesus gives to us? instead of having to worry if you were always doing the right thing or if you missed a rule or if you missed a guideline. And so you just get this like freedom. It feels like this is lifted from you. You had like all this life that you never used to have before. And that's actually how Jesus explains his reason for coming to earth. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The reason Jesus himself gives for coming to earth is full life. And he gives this, he uses that, that phrase at the end of this metaphor that he gives about a sheep pen and how he is the one that lets the sheep in and out of the pen. He says, The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him 
because they know his voice. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. These sheep are freed from this life confined by this this small pen and the shepherd leads them out into open pasture. And there might be some risky places that he takes them, but the shepherd is always right there and the shepherd cares for them. He takes them maybe up steep cliffs, maybe along jagged, rocky places where they could fall, places where they might even lose their footing. But there's so much more beauty and excitement and fullness of life outside of a little pen and out in the pasture. And Jesus offers us this fullness of life in what we read today in the passage and it calls the righteousness that comes by faith. All you need to do is declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Just believe and confess. It's so much easier. But but it's not that easy all the time, is it? It's not easy when we hear stories on the news about a man dressed up like a police officer going onto a youth camp, shooting and killing 77 people. When we hear stories like that, it's kind of hard for us to believe these claims that Jesus is Lord. And when you wait week after week, and then month after month, and maybe even years for a job, and still no one's calling for with an offer, it gets kind of hard to trust that God, that Jesus is Lord. Or if he is, that he even knows what he's doing. When I was a chaplain, I had a patient who was in a car accident that left him paralyzed from the neck down. And he was in his 20s and he had a one-year-old son that he would never be able to get on the floor and play with. He would never be able to go throw the ball with. Several times a day, the nurse would come in to empty a bag of his waist that hung next to his bed or to clear the mucus out of the tube that was in his throat that allowed him to breathe. And as I sat with him for hours next to his bed at different times, it was hard for either of us to believe in our hearts or confess with our mouths that Jesus was Lord. I mean, it sounds so easy. Just believe and confess. But we're living in a world where the things that we see and the things that we experience cause these doubts. And when life gets hard, the more difficult it becomes to believe this promise that God loves us and that he cares for us. And so in your doubt, maybe you start thinking, man, if I was only a better person, if I was more moral, if I was more ethic, then God would love me more. And if God really loved me more, he wouldn't allow me to go through these difficult times. He would protect me from all those. And so you start to think, well, then I need to start doing this. I need to stop doing this. I can't say these words anymore. I need to act like this somewhere around other people. And so you make your own list of these things that you try to like... If I do this, then I will gain God's favor and God's love and I will be able to avoid all those hard things. And what you end up with is your own list of these guidelines to gain God's favor and you become overwhelmed and committed to this this pen and this law that you've only put on yourself. Um, when we follow the promises of the shepherd and they lead us to places that are steep, that there's rocky cliffs where it gets scary, Somehow there's this thing inside of us that makes us long for these clear, safe walls of the pen, of the law, of these rituals, of these things that if I just do this, I know that I'll be safe. I know I'll be taken care of. And so rather than remembering God's grace and these gifts of freedom and fullness of life that he offers to us, we start focusing on the things that we're doing or not doing. And so churches and communities, they become identified by these things that they claim to be doing or they claim to not be doing 
rather than being identified by what God has done for us and what God has offered to us. And by doing so, we become the people that uh, Brendan Manning describes when he says, Christianity for you was Christianity was for you a moral code or an ethic or philosophy of life, but it was never a love affair. When you seek God's love and his favor through these guidelines and these tasks that you put on yourself, your ethics and your morals, you're putting your energy into things that are just going to suck life from you. And so in the midst of this promise where Jesus says, I offer you this fullness of life, you feel this deadness inside. It's more difficult than it sounds. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And what is it that we're being saved from? You know, are we, are we being saved as opposed to being punished? Are we being saved from this wrathful God? And a lot of times people talk about this wrath of God. And Paul even, at the beginning of the same letter to the Romans, Paul talks about the wrath of God. And he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of human beings. And then the last three paragraphs of chapter 1, he says, gives these three different examples of what the wrath of God looks like, apparently. And in these three examples, there's the same phrase each time. If you look in verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts. In verse 26, Because of this, God gave them over. In verse 28, So God gave them over. From those passages, it seems like the wrath of God appears to be God letting us have these things that we want. He allows us to to have our desire to try and find happiness, to try and find contentment, to try and find this fullness of life on our own. It suggests that the wrath of God seems to be God allowing us to put ourselves into a pen rather than trusting his promises. And so we put, he allows us to put those energies into those life-sucking things that bring about this deadness in our life. Which would make sense because the opposite thing from the wrath of God is the love of God. And it's through this love of God that he comes to us and says, I offer you this fullness of life. And it comes through faith. And so how do we, how do we deal with that? How do we overcome these doubts that creep in? How do we, how do we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths with all these things that we see are so dark and painful? And we experience this, this ugly world sometimes. Uh, there are different words in the Greek that discuss the idea of trust and faith. But the, the word that's used for faith in this passage is defined by the state of believing on the basis or reliability of the one trusted. The best way to overcome the doubts or to be able to believe something in your heart is to know to better know the person being trusted, to better know who it is that you're relying on. My two-year-old son... Trusting. Um, well, maybe you've seen this. They, like sometimes these kids, when they're just playing and bopping around, they just kind of lose it and they run up to this leg and grab on, thinking it's their parents. And then they look up and like, like who are you? And they get like these. Water. So my son did this the other day. I don't even remember where we were. But he was just playing. He grabs this guy's leg and he was this older gentleman who's really nice about it. He just kind of looks and he's like, oh, he's like, are, are you coming with me? And my son, his eyes get really big and he looks and he like looks for me and he quick runs over and he grabs onto my leg and kind of looks back at this guy. And the reason is is because my son doesn't know him. He doesn't trust him. He knows I'm his dad. 
I'm good. Like, I'm fine. I'm safe. He can, he can trust me. He knows I love him. He knows, he knows me. He doesn't know that guy. And God offers to make himself known to us in several ways. Through prayer, through scripture, and I think now some of you might hear that as saying, you just spent all this time telling us how there's not rules, there's not this list of things for us to do to find God's love and favor, and then you give us these things to do. But see if you can tell the difference. Um, you don't do things like spend time in prayer or spend time reading the Bible in order to, to gain God's love, and fl- God's love and his favor. But these are places where God says, I'm going to be here, and you can find me here. And so we spend time in God's word and in his prayer, and the more that we experience him, the more we'll know him. And the more we know him and know about his promises that he loves us, the more that we'll discover how much he loves us. And the easier it'll be in those times where we're going up steep hills or along jagged cliffs or dark valleys or places where it just feels like you can't get any kind of footing and it doesn't make any sense but the more we know God, the more we can trust Him and follow Him out of these pins that we always want to put ourselves in, out into this fullness of life, out into this beautiful, exciting, and sometimes dangerous experiences. Will you please pray with me? God, we thank you uh, for being the God who does promise to be with us and to love us and that does offer offer us beautiful and full life if only we can we can trust and believe in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us through our attempts of prayer and through the scripture that you would be faithful to show us who you are and that uh, our love for you would grow and that we would recognize, more importantly, your love for us. Uh, thank you for this time and for your scripture and we pray that you would Use it as